Welcome to the Soft Issues Podcast, brought to you by Foundation Bike Fit and Frequency Cycle Works, where we dive into the niche worlds of bike fitting, bike servicing, and reveal the hidden side of the bike industry. Ev's not here this week, so we've hijacked all of the podcast, including the intro. He's going to be livid. This week, we're bringing you a blast from the past, an old episode which we didn't get around to releasing last year, but it's got some gems in it with Lee. In this episode, we focus on what reasonable expectations should be when taking on a challenging event such as an ultra-distance race. Should you expect to get numb hands? What level of discomfort should you tolerate? And how would you go about deciding what is reasonable for you? If you're taking on a multi-day challenge this year, like Land's End to John O'Groats, Rab, the Transconti, or the Pantel Celtic, this episode is for you. Oh, and by the time you listen to this, I can confirm that Lee made it to the altar and is a happily married man. Right. Welcome. Well, this week we've only got uh, bike fitters in the room, so that's a bit novel, isn't it? So we're going to talk it's about bike fitting. It's going to be riveting, isn't it? Well, of course yeah. it's going to be. Everyone wants to hear what a bike fitter has to say, don't they? We haven't got Ev to, like, temper the conversation. <laughs> temper yesterday. the conversation. And change it. Change it back to some wheels. Well, I don't know, what can we get away with when uh, Ev's not here? I think it's going to be a lot more, a lot more relaxed. We're going to be quite, you know, quite chilled <laughs> out. Um, Lee says this tongue-in-cheek yeah, yeah. after uh, the conversation we just had five minutes ago off air, <laughs> where I was absolutely raging. Oh, I was going to, thought you were going to say that uh, he's getting married, so how can he be... Uh... <laughs> oh, there's that as well. Yeah. How many days to go, Lee? Uh, three, three Saturday. Days. So it's, uh, it's very exciting. Um, that £10 green smoothie has chilled you out. It was £7, thank you very much. And it tasted like shit. <laughs> but it's but anyway, good for you. It's no, good it's you. good for me. I feel really healthy now. You um, love so well. I've washed it down with a cup of tea. <laughs> but we're, we're going to talk about expectations today. Expectations? Yeah, expectations from what you would expect from a bike fitter. So, like, you know, oh. customer experience, you know. Thought you were when talk you, I thought we were going to get expectations about your wedding. wedding yeah. <laughs> That's far more interesting. <laughs> expectations for a wedding. I mean, I'd, I'd imagine the amount you pay, you just get someone to just do it, put it in a box, and then you just go and collect the box, and then it all happens, and then you go home. But it's not like that, is it? It's terrible. <laughs> wedding it's too in much a work. box. Wedding uh, in a box. Yeah, you might actually it. have to get up and say something. No, I'll do it, but it would just be like in a box, you know what I mean? It would just be like a sheet that's handed out to you. And this is your speech. Somehow they have uh, algorithms to know what you want to say, what you should say, you know, all the context of all the guests. Imagine that, wedding in a box. It's called ChatGPT, mate. Uh, expectation awesome. of bike fitters, though. Is that the, the well, change the subject? God, um, the, I'm on it. Yeah. <laughs> Segwaying into, oh, yes, that sounds like the retool of the wedding yeah. world. <laughs> retool, yeah, no. Retool, retool does weddings. 100% always correct retool, isn't it? There's never any kind of white area. It's just complete answers, isn't it? It's hard to argue with a robot. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. it knows the angle, so it's absolutely fine. I don't know. Chat GPT always right? I don't even know what that is. <laughs> oh my goodness! What is it? You're a lucky man. Like, please, just stay there. Like, don't okay. even, don't even look it up. <laughs> I, I, I got told about OnlyFans also last was it two weeks ago. Didn't, I'm not not even aware of that. Apparently, it's where you just show people your bits for money. Is it? So things are going to change once you get married. Do you? <laughs> <laughs> Oh. Have a sheltered life, aren't you? No, yeah, no, it's nice. It's nice though, because I, I don't, I don't hear all these things. Um, you know, c- certain artists as well, like modern music. My God, do you know what I mean? It's terrible. 
Like, oh. My knowledge of music stops about 1900. That's that's a fantastic thing. 1900? Is that, is that before trombones? <laughs> no, the, the, the can't <laughs> trombones again, yeah. are <laughs> yeah. But fun fact. Oh, All right. Here we go then. <laughs> the first major work to utilise the trombone in its kind of modern form, i.e. not a sackbut, that's completely different, was Beethoven's Fifth. Really? Yeah. When was that? Oh, 18 something or other. Ah. Early, 18, early 19th You're century. You're now already down to the century. Yeah. <laughs> I've, 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 yeah. Early, early 19th century, something like that. Nice. There you go. Beethoven, yeah. thank mm. you for uh, championing the trombone. Well, he didn't though, did he? Because the first bit he wrote, like first entry that you make is like really freaking high <laughs> and you have to wait about 370 odd bars before you come in. Your instrument's gone cold, your face is numb. And yeah, it's just basically like the What's worst possible now? entry. Like, it's so hard. <laughs> I remember doing that in like Leeds City Hall when I was about 16 and like playing the alto trombone part and I just like spaffed that entry like all over Leeds City Hall. It was like disgusting. And it ran around for like 11 seconds. I was like, this is appalling. Like, how, how could I possibly contemplate doing this for a job? But I got away with it and it was fine. Anyway, and you did it for a while, didn't you? Yeah, a little while, yeah. yeah. But yeah, so yeah, Beethoven's got a lot to, mm. more time for. Prefer the dog to the composer. The dog. Yeah. Oh, the I see. I do know. It's in Beethoven. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, <laughs> I've seen that one. That was your mind. Yeah, saved it there. That was where your mind went. Beethoven. <laughs> <laughs> dog. <laughs> 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 uh, anyway. How can I, how can I relate that back to bike thing now? Beethoven. Uh, I don't know. Expectations. Expectations, yeah. expectations yeah. versus reality. Mm. There you go. You think yeah. you're going to soar over the orchestra with your first entry, you know, spaffing it all over the back wall. <laughs> Not ideal. We've been talking about something quite specific, but I, I think that as a bike fitter, me, um, when I did a race, and it was only two and a half day race, I had numb hands and I've still got numb hands. Uh, and this has been about four months now. So I think more people should be aware of regardless of fitness and regardless of training and regardless of uh, a bike fit, you probably will have numb hands after these kind of things because it's not a natural thing. When I don't you... think it's just specifically numb hands, is it? It's some sort of pain, discomfort, and what is a reasonable expectation, a mm. reasonable level of pain and discomfort relative to the event that you're doing, right? Yeah, yeah. I think that would be like more kind of general, a uh, general kind of way to look at it or way in, if you like, rather than going into like, Obviously, you've got mm. your specifics with your kind of you know, numb hands Absolutely. and that sort of thing, but you know, it's things like saddle discomfort, like discomfort for your feet, um, mm. you know, like you know, James Hayden and his neck, right? Yeah, got that a few years ago. That's Sherpa's neck That's for Sherpa's anyone. Neck, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, whether it's like it could be whatever, not just hands. So, I think it's kind of like, yeah, we do more and more crazy things, like you know, riding literally across continents, mm. including the name transcontinental. Um, but it's like, what is a reasonable expectation of what a bike fit will give you in the context of your event, really. Because mm. basically, like the way I look at comfort on a bicycle is comfort is the position you can sustain for the desired duration and the force output requirements of your event, right? You can't do a bike fit in <laughs> 48 hours, so that's the... Uh, but that's the thing, isn't it? It's like, you know, if you, like, you know, the longer these events get, like, mm. I, that's, you know, from like triathlon context, that's probably like more applicable. But when you're you're kind of looking at your event and the duration is like weeks mm. rather than hours, that's a different game. Yeah, you know what I mean. So it's kind of what is a reasonable expectation of quote unquote pain and discomfort, and yeah, when does the kind of the rubber hit the road really? Mm. 
um, that's kind of my like what I find interesting, especially about these. Like we talked about ultra distance before, but yeah. especially with these sorts of events of yeah, what is yeah, do your expectations meet your, your reality in a sense? Yeah, I think, and in particular, it becomes a particularly uh, poignant conversation when these kind of events are becoming more normalised. Like back when I started doing endurance sport, it was the, the marathon was like the insane thing to do. Like, Marathons are hard, man. Like, they, they are hard. They're so hard. They're super hard. <laughs> yeah, that's like, how it goes, man. When, yeah, yeah. when you get well, to do yours. Yeah, if I, uh, December. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, marathons used to be the hard thing in aspirational event, and it's just got longer and longer and longer. You know? Now mm -hmm. marathons are normal. Every Joe Bloggs goes out and does a marathon to raise money for charity. Or every weekend, random yeah. weekend, go around a marathon. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not enough just to do one. You know, uh, who's, who's that fellow who just completed like 100 Ironmans? Sean Conway, 105 Ironmans in 105 days. Yeah. I mean, Are you serious? Yeah. What? Back to the previous record was like 101. Yeah. Um, James Lawrence, mm. the Iron Cowboy, trademark. <laughs> I don't think it's trademark. How would you be able to like eat and like sustain that? Like, you that need, seems mad. Yeah, you need a lot of, a lot of help. But what is interesting is the aftermath of mm. how he's describing his recovery, or lack thereof of recovery, mm. is mind-bending. Like, the stuff his body's going through mm. is just terrifying. It's, maybe it's, like, yeah. irreversible, that kind of Give thing. Give him a follow, because he's wicked. Like, I've got mm. a lot of time for, for, um, for Sean Conway, but, like, mm. what he puts his body through is, like, otherworldly. Yeah. I mean, he, he's an exceptional individual. Yeah. Mentally as well as physically. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but th these are the guys that everyone's looking up to and aspiring to be. And, you know, you'll have a go weekend warrior. It's just going to go, yeah, right. Let's go do, even just doing an Ironman. Ironmans aren't enough anymore. Well, it's taken me nearly 10 years to recover from the one I did. <laughs> yeah. Never again. Yeah. So marathons, Ironmans. You know, your 100 mile sporty, 100 miles on a bike, you know, that's, that's just normal <laughs> That's still a long way, 100 miles on a bike. Yeah, but... That's but, a long way. But, but Instagram normalises it, doesn't mm. it? Yeah, you know, oh yeah, we're just going to go bash out 100 miles this weekend, mm. you know, just as if it was a local... Because if you talk to your friends, like when I, I remember when I first started cycling road cycling, where it became a bit longer, I remember talking to my parents and I was like, oh, I'm just doing 100k today. And they're like, what? A hundred kilometers, you know, that, that's a long way. You know, it's, it's four hours of exercise, really. Four hours of exercise for, I know it's not the same, but a marathon, most people take four hours to do a marathon. You know, mm. it's, it's, it's crazy, but it's not, uh, it's not enough anymore. It's not nearly enough. Not, not nowhere close. Yeah. But yeah, a hundred kilometers is a car journey. Yeah, I mean, a long car journey as yeah. well. It's not a short like, one. If I, if I went, okay, so if I, maybe I drive to, I don't drive, but uh, if I drove to Bath, would that be, that's about 100 mile, is it? Yeah, like a little that. bit longer, it's like a, it's like a three hour car journey. <laughs> I've yeah. cycled to Bath it's before. Like 200, well, it depends where you start from, doesn't it? But like, yeah, it's a couple hundred. Yeah, I consider that to be a long, long car journey. Yeah. Well, it's like, you know, you set the transcontinental. You mm. start in Belgium, end up somewhere down like Turkey Way, Greece Way. <laughs> that's a flight. Mm. It's not a bike ride, it's a flight. You know what I mean? Mm. So, yeah, normalize it, or how this stuff has become normalized is like mind bending. So a, like, a bike fit 
it's still really important because you're still going to get like all these positions because you imagine if you for example you didn't have a bike fit and you had a saddle height that was maybe three centimeters too high just as an example all of those things that you'd have without the bike fit would be exacerbated by the fact that you're over over striding obviously over pedaling essentially for every single time you push down the pedals so a bike fit is still incredibly important but it's not going to answer all the questions but if we take you as an example because yeah. you did uh, what was the race you did recently it was like it wasn't that race anymore but banal 600 yeah so banal yeah. 600 right it's 600k mm -hmm. 600 miles 600k but it's mostly off-road and lots of elevation quite rocky lots of elevation mm -hmm. but 600k and you know your bike position was pretty close right yeah. Like, you know, you hope so. Survive. I'd like to think it was alright. But yeah. like, yeah, you're you're in a in a good position. Your body isn't making like massive compensations for something that's like glaringly mm. obviously wrong, right? Mm. So if you think about that kind of context, where you're riding, I mean, you did that on what you're open. You got an open yeah. wide, mm -hmm. like big big old tires, like well fitted. The you know a, a reasonably kind of competent tool for that kind of job. Like there's nothing kind of glaringly obvious that's kind of like wrong with mm. your setup, right? I trained for so it as well. You trained fitness for it. was good. Yeah, fitness mm. was good. Training was good. Did a plank now and again. Consistent. Yeah, did some strength. I'm assuming. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. So like, there's a lot of stuff that's gone mm. right in your build up to that. Like, I'm assuming that you planned your nutrition, like yeah, you know, yeah. all that kind of stuff. So there's a lot of stuff that's gone right, even in that context of like trying to like optimize as much as you can. Mm. You still end up with what? A numb hand four months yeah. later yeah and yeah. that's only 59 hours as well yeah so only 59 hours oh well, yeah but Most compared people, to a lot of these events yeah like... some people don't work that in a week <laughs> you know what i mean so a lot of people don't work that in a week um, mm. so it's a long time to be doing a continuous activity so but the point i'm trying to make is that you've optimized like a lot of stuff you're you're kind of like in a, starting from a good place mm. and you know you're still ending up with kind of you know with with problems afterwards mm. so what is kind of like you know a reasonable expectation where does the kind of like the disconnect happen between what you expect you know mm. a very arduous challenging endeavor to kind of cost if you like in terms of like the cost to your body mm. where do those expectations in reality kind of fall apart and kind of where's the the disparity between the two it's difficult it's really difficult because i didn't I was quite shocked that I'd had that. I had had slight numbness before the race because I was training so much off-road as well. So I, I just thought, oh, that's that's a little bit strange. But um, I had a really nice barbecue a few weeks ago and there were two GPs there. And um, I was telling them about the race and I was saying that I'd got a little bit of kind of numbness here. And, and He's just pointing the heel of his left hand. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and and the, the lady was just like, well, you've even if you spend like two hours on your ulnar nerve here, if you push down on that nerve, that's not good for you. So if you're doing that for 57 hours and also the, the time before, you know, this is obvious, you know, and I, I was actually seeking their advice because I had like one of those tests because I just wanted to double check if anything was going on anyway. Um, and I was just trying to seek reassurance, but like, it's just normal, like you're going to get that, like that's, there's nothing you're going to be able to do unless you're actually able to kind of hold yourself upright for that long. This is something that's going to happen. It's just kind of part and parcel of mm. ultra endurance. Well, interesting. What's the, there's um, a Guinness World Record for the longest plank, isn't there? Ooh, it can't be longer than a it's day. Like, I think it's nine and a half hours. Some Australian lad who's like, you know, yeah. gurning like his face yeah, yeah. off holding his plank. Nine, nine and, and a half hours. Jeez. I wonder what the recovery from that is. Oh, mate, measure that in months. <laughs> but, if you, but if you think about it, like, you know, a bite, like your bite position is essentially a less, slightly less stressful plank. Mm. Like if you're trying to hold a plank for like two weeks, you know, riding across Europe, mm. 
I do two not minutes. Not well, is it? I do do two sets of two minutes, but I think that's, that's all right, isn't minutes. it? That's all right, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. My body's yeah. trembling by the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the point, isn't it? Like you know, those 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 practitioners that you saw advice mm. from, they're like, well, if you get if mm -mm. you put any you put pressure on this kind of all yeah, the nerve, you're restricting the nerve. Yeah, Simple as that. It's not it's not rocket science. No. Well, even if you think about it from just the context or perspective of doing anything repetitive. We even know that sitting down for long periods is not good for our bodies. Mm. Our bodies kind of, uh, they don't really work in the way they are supposed to. We're, we're built to move and certain things will shut down, we don't use certain muscles and so on, so your body becomes less capable. If just sitting down for extended periods of time is not great for you, what do we expect to happen when we do something like cycling, which is a very restrictive uh, position, and we stay in that position for like, you know, 57 hours? Mm. Do we expect that to be kind of, uh, I don't know, reasonable for our bodies? Like, is, is our body going to be happy at the end of that, having just, you know, being constricted to a certain position for a long period of time? We um, want it to be, don't we? we as an individual. Of course, yeah. Yeah. And we don't see any of the aftermath. Obviously, we saw things like the James Hayden Sherpa neck because that was quite dramatic and they could put kind of a picture to it. But there's very few athletes after these events that talk about the recovery. And I think that's, mm. yeah. I, I'd like to see a little bit more of that because I think it does romanticize it a little bit less, you know, because, you know, you're not seeing the whole picture. You're seeing someone groveling through a race, you know, yeah. not sleeping. Um, some mornings they'll have amazing time, some evenings they'll have a super horrible time, but generally speaking, we see obviously the nice things. It's arduous, it looks arduous, it looks kind of heroic, and, but at the same time, they might take months to recover and then to be able to even get back and enjoy the bike just in a normal, mm. a normal way, which is, yeah. Well, what we see is the highlight reel, isn't it? Yeah. Is it? And there's a lot more kind of like, people are being more transparent with what the effect is with their bodies, like, you know, Sean Conway's doing that with his, mm. with his 105 Ironmans, like, mm. So what is his recovery out, out of interest? Like, what's going on with his body? It's just, it's, I, the body's just I mean, shut down. Yeah, I think it's just in a state of shock. Really? Just... Well, it's just yeah. the best part of, like, you know, nearly almost half a year of doing an Ironman every day. Oh, my God. But when you put it like that, mm. that is just, it sounds ludicrous. Like, mm. yeah, I'm going to do an Ironman every day for almost, like, half a year. Would you, like... like so I'm just thinking, mad. how would you train for that? But then, would you just train as you go along? Yeah, in, in many, many circumstances, I believe that mm. you can't train for this yeah. amount of volume or distance. It's just so much that it puts so much stress on your body that, you know, you just have to kind mm. of absorb it and kind of learn on the, on, on the go in a mm. way. I mean, in some, in some ways, that's part of the attraction of ultra distance. The, it is the unknown. It is mm. the, can I actually mm. do this? There is a a scary part of it that I don't know if I can actually complete this. So it is a it is a challenge, mm. and yeah, that that challenge is attractive. Um, there, you know, it gives there us is a, a. I was reading. Um, I've read it a few times actually. It's a good book, Emily Chappelle, mm. where there's a will. She talks about it quite a bit actually. Where there is like a, a come down of these events, and I had it as well. Like because you, you're training so much for it, and obviously if you achieve it. It's probably the, the better side of it because I imagine if you end up scratching, you probably have worse of time because you're like, oh, I didn't do it. Um, but like upon completing these things, and you obviously feel really elated, and maybe you'll break down in tears, maybe you'll just kind of, you know, just feel like you've accomplished something amazing. 
and then you have this huge kind of come down, which again is is the kind of um, the sad part of this kind of racing because it's not. It's the post race blues. Yeah. It's like, well, I've done that. Now what's next? Yeah. yeah. You know, but your body needs rest. Your body needs rest. Yeah, but it's always that kind of like, oh, is that it? Because mm. the expectation never kind of it's, it's the expectation is always that much more than the reality. Of For it. sure. Yeah. And it's like you know like what's it? people can win Olympic like not that I've got experience of this obviously but like you know you win an Olympic gold medal. Mm. It's like oh, alright, cool. Oh, yeah. What next? <laughs> yeah. Better go and win another one. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So it's always like on to the next thing. And, you know, that come down, that kind of almost that hollow feeling afterwards, it is a mm. thing. It's weird, um, isn't it? Yeah. It's kind of like this, it's kind of like gratification, you know, like, you know, you, have, you go out on Saturday night and you, mm. you're looking forward to that like horrible, dirty kebab. And it's like amazing for like, you know, your first bite of it. And then it's like, oh no. But, I don't know, when I'm, when I'm drunk, like, I really enjoy the whole kebab. I must admit. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a similar sort of thing, isn't it? It's like, you know, the gratification that you get from something never, meets the expectation of the build-up to that kind of moment. Does that kind of make sense? I guess it does in a very depressing way. <laughs> well, well yeah, you know, I'm a glass half empty kind of guy. <laughs> aren't I, so. Well, it, if, we, if we pull the, the kind of peel back even more layers, then it's really about, you know, what that race means to you mm. and all the, the effort that you put in as an individual, you know. Mm. What we're really looking for as individuals and humans on a very basic level is just belonging and significance like, like you know what we do on this planet or what we spend our time doing has to feel significant we have to feel like we're worth something and so if we pour our energy and our time into a very hard task that makes us feel very significant like mm. our efforts are you know are going towards a very worthy cause mm. but when that cause finishes then we're left empty like oh mm. i haven't got anything significant left to you know do like my all my effort and my energy that's mm. gone into this event is you know done so i'm done as a person i know, guess it's I trying do. to be like significant you know doing things that hold significance and like mm. yeah that i agree with what you're saying completely it's just that it's that meaning like it's like i think when we were maybe a bit younger like i remember doing music because I was like it's a significant thing and when I stopped doing music that was like a massive deal because I was like this is everything you know this is who I am and then obviously doing something else you feel like you've kind of failed in a way and you know there's different ways to think about it but I think for me like where I was there I was like oh what next oh I'll get into ultra distance cycling or I'll get into something else that's equally and then when you go traveling you, you can do certain things you can go hitchhiking you can travel like you know crazy destinations there's always something that you can do to test yourself and i think people are essentially just we're just wired that way we just want to test mm. ourselves and we just want to well i guess there are a few people that don't do that um but i think it's just quite a normalized thing now we just want to test everything we want to experience as much as we can um i think you were saying overstimulization <laughs> yeah yeah everyone's like overstimulized yeah. yeah because like there's this constant kind of need for to kind of like be doing and like to kind of like Mm. you know showing your worth and all this kind of stuff mm. and it, it can depend yeah it can range from you know running the local 5k to you know if you're, if you're a billionaire got space tourism <laughs> you know what i mean it's like different for mm. everyone like yeah, yeah. but it's yeah and i think this is a very modern phenomenon like mm. because like humans have basically reached escape velocity there's no reason for us to be here. We don't need to be here. Like the planet doesn't need us here. Like, Sorry about this, listeners. Yeah, <laughs> but it's true. Like you know, like in terms of like you know the the survival of the species mm. 
completed it, mate. That's like, you know, that box has been well, checked. We'll, we'll mess it up, though. This is going to be a huge well, paradox. Cause we're oh, gonna, we're doing we're an amazing we're, job of that yeah, already, yeah, yeah. aren't we? We're, we're going to blow ourselves up, but then the world's going to carry on. It's going to be fine. Yeah, like, and you, know, you want to get into, like, that sort of thing. <laughs> like, if you want to you tackle, like, climate change and things like that, don't frame it as saving the human race. Oh, yeah. Sa like, or the planet. Yeah. Frame it as saving the human race. Mm. Then something will get done about it. Anyway, yeah. Mm. Let's go back to, back, back to bike that's, fishing. That's true, because yeah. the, 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 the world is going to spit us out. You know, it's going to be laughing, you know. And then someone else will come along, some mm. other bacteria. And so, uh, yeah, don't get, too, fitting, uh, don't get too hung up on your race results. But that's that what you're it's, trying it's, to it's say. Because it's very important yeah, it's perspective. to you. Like, you know, like what is very important you know, to you, and you know, we're not trying to, like, not, like, you know, there's validity there. Like, on the same, like, you know, why do I try and run marathons like yeah. mm. because you know in my own little head i need to like be less mediocre than i was the last time yeah so these things have a significance obviously but it's helpful to have perspective as well mm. and what is difficult for one i.e you know say sean conway doing his 105 ironmans or you know ross Angeles swimming Loch Ness or whatever it is which is also mental by the way how like, big is Loch Ness? it's pretty far it's like it's got a monster in it. It's going to mm. be pretty big. Have, yeah, the monster is quite big. I've heard. I think it's like thirteen miles. And they, 13 do, a, miles. they do. They do. a marathon, don't they? Loch Ness marathon is like yeah. end to end. It's end to end. So Actually, it's got to be at least. Um, I don't know if it is end to end. It is, I think it is end to end. Okay. Slightly I, downhill. Slightly downhill. Yeah. I don't follow enough swimming to know what constitutes as a long way. I know what a long way to run is or a cycle. What's a long way to swim? Ten k. Ten k. That's a long way. That seems so short. How long does it take to to swim ten k for like a a professional swimmer? Probably yeah. an hour and a half, hour and 20, something. Hour and 20? I don't know. Okay. They do um, Olympic open water 10K, don't they? Yeah, so Ironman's like... Ironman's yeah. like 3.8 if you swim in a straight line. Yeah. The top pros are doing yeah. that in like yeah. under 45 minutes yeah. now. Okay, what about endurance swimming? That's like... So, yeah. Um, so if you double double an Ironman... Add a couple of minutes. Mm, okay. So yeah. an, an hour and a half and a... About two hours, two hours of swimming, maybe. Okay. You know, it's and that's it's like going like a fairly high pace. Yes, yeah, yeah, that's going fast. Mm. It's faster than we could swim. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not a very good swimmer. My legs just tend drown. to. Yeah. I mean, Olympic uh, distance in like in a, at the Olympic Games, then distance swimming is like 10k. Mm. Yeah. So the longest they go in the pool is 1500. Yeah. So horses for courses. Yeah. Interesting. Um, okay. But yeah, like going back to uh, endurance rides and endurance races and so on. I think a, a lot of people won't be able to think about all of this kind of context and the stuff that we're talking about unless they've done an event. If they've, mm. they've thrown themselves into it and taken some of that experience, like part of the attraction of these insane, slightly silly. Uh, events, long distance events, is that you, there is a big element of the unknown and you just have to go and experience it. Like, like, mm -hmm. back, like, um, what do you call it, when you're a student, you go backpacking, you, you kind of go mm -hmm. to see the world, you mm -hmm. go to find out, find yourself, because you don't... Find what you're made of, I think, because that's what these events do, you really do find out what you're made of, because you will have some dark times. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, where, it's, and, whether or not you know that you're going to be doing that or not, like you're going to have to face those situations and you're going to have to face what your brain mm. and mind come up with. And it's really about 
that dialogue and what you do and how how you deal with it that uh, that I think is the valuable part of doing these kind of crazy events mm. but <laughs> you know I think like, yeah expect it to be hard is kind of the, the yeah. underlying yeah I guess it's really hard for people to understand or expect what, what, what should you expect really out of it you should expect anything you should expect it to be really hard really rewarding in equal measure because it is it basically is that isn't it it's not it's not going to be anything but I mean the the one thing we should mention also is that the a actual atmosphere everyone is super friendly super nice it's actually a very nice thing. I think like there's a there's a point here that I think Wade's trying to make mm. is that if you we've all experienced we've been burned by the iron so to speak <laughs> like you know doing something that maybe we're not that capable of doing mm. at that kind of period in time if you've got no reference point then how do you know like what to what to expect like yeah you can expect it to be hard but what does that entail what does that mean mm. like if you've got if this is your first kind of like you know kind of exposure to this sort of thing like you've got no idea what to expect and like you know there's nothing that can prepare you for, mm. for what you're about to receive so yeah. To speak. yeah if someone told you that you were going to have a numb hand for four months after your event would you still want to do it I'm actually not sure <laughs> Yeah, so, you know, like that that kind of yeah. question is like, I don't think everyone should get like a numb hand when yeah. <laughs> you go and do it, but it's definitely a possibility yeah, that, that, that could happen. Yeah. You know, you, all, all kinds of things could happen. You know, transcontinental is a dangerous race. You know, mm. people, people have died on it. Mm. Um, but, you know, that's just kind of part of the attraction. But, yeah. but also that's why, you know, the entry into it is carefully managed as yeah. well you know there's a huge questionnaire you know and you are asked to provide serious answers about you know how you're going to yeah. do this and, and question yourself but you know as as many people have come through the studio and told me in confidence that you know yeah i've signed up to this uh, kind of race i've definitely chewed off more than <laughs> i bargained for but i'm still going to do it mm. you know because you know it's, it's i think the majority of people that do enter these races, I think they are quite tongue-in-cheek and they're aware that they might not have mm. trained as much, but they are people that are generally adventurous, they're people that are just up for pushing themselves in, in, in the nicest way possible, because they're just like, you know what, let's just have a go. And there is something really nice about that, because, for example, like you, you think of like the crits around here, for example. Mm. When you think of the atmosphere and the way it's kind of set up and stuff like that, not just here, as in the velodrome, but... I would. I always feel a bit funny. I feel quite intimidated by these things, sure. and yeah, yeah. the the actual the kind of attitude to these type of races is completely different. The mentality is a lot more open. Yeah, um, yeah I, I must admit, I find that a lot more alluring than you know the local kind of crits because it's just it's not as interesting. But it's like we were saying earlier. It's like you can only prepare for these things so much. Mm. It's like um, yeah, the UTMB happened at the weekend. Mm. The guy that won it broke the record. Like ran. I think oh, Christian like, Miller. Yeah. So it was um, uh, Jim Ormsey, um, first American to win the Ultra Trail Mont Blanc running race. Wow, okay. Yeah. Uh, he did it in under 20 hours. It's like 176 Ks around Mont Blanc. Oh my God. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's, it's serious stuff. And like, he looked like he'd you know, been hit by a truck mm. afterwards. Like, you know, put a bit of effort in the lab. So. 
but it's that kind of thing. It's like there's a, a point in running where like the whole purpose of training is like you break your body down and you get better by recovering, right? So, you know, the training breaks you down, recovery builds you up, pushes the fitness forward, blah, blah, blah. We all know that. But there's like a, a point where you kind of fall off the cliff. And mm. Running, that's about five hours. Mm. So you can run for five hours. You go beyond that, you're not getting any kind of benefit. Like, it's just your body is like so depleted and getting broken down at such a rate that you're not going to be able to kind of get any benefit from kind of, or the benefit you're going to get from that sort of training is not worth the recovery cost because it's mm. going to take too long to mm. get back out again. Mm. So, and yeah, there must be a similar kind of thing. You know, there is a similar kind of thing with cycling as well. It's like you're trying to train for a race in the last two, three weeks. Like, you know, you're not going to go out and ride for two, three weeks out mm. in preparation. Like, so there's only so much you can do to prepare for these things in advance. And that's part of the attraction, like you say, where it's like, oh, you know, can I actually go and do it? So you can't prepare for the whole thing 100%. But it's going back to this expectations thing. It's like, right, what can I reasonably expect? Even if I haven't done it like that sort of thing before, what would be a reasonable expectation for my body to possibly kind of go through? Mm. You just kind of like, and the only way you get to know this is by talking to people who have done it. Mm. That sort of thing, gaining experience mm. through others as well as experience yourself, right? And there's so many different variables as well. Like yeah. Weather. My experience could have been so much different because yeah. of the weather, especially in Wales, but it was actually lovely weather. <laughs> it was really yeah. nice. If you'd have taken a mountain bike to that race. I probably would have had dumb hands. You probably well, yeah. Well, maybe you Bigger tyres, suspension, I'd have been absolutely fine. Also, because I'm not on my own, my hands would be rotated on the bar. So yeah, it's tools for the job as well, but mm. you, know, you don't know that. I do know it now. Well, you haven't done it, have you? So. I'm going <laughs> to. So that's the thing, you're, you're going to go back and, yeah, you're gonna go back and try it. But. Yeah. There's no amount of prep that can prepare you for certain things. Absolutely. You never know what's going to happen. You don't know how your body's going to react, uh, especially as a first time. Yeah. But I also feel like you can um, test as much as possible. I guess no, no one really feels prepared enough going into these events because you can't really prepare mm. enough for it. So everyone always comes in and mm. says, oh, I haven't done enough training or whatever. But I think, as you were saying, Matt, you know, talking to other people, uh, getting their experiences, um, prepares you mentally and prepares that expectation of what could happen. You know, if you, if you knew that getting numb hands was a potential, you would have to think and process that and add that to your kind of equation of like, well, do I want to do this? Mm. If that's kind of part of the equation or not. And I think that's where a lot of people maybe don't test enough before kind of really kind of going for it or go into it with an attitude of well yeah let's just do this it's going to be you know, like just another race but really it's not going to be just another race it's or preparing for that eventuality so it's like yeah. right okay if you know that you you know, might be susceptible to say numb hands or numb feet yeah. or whatever what can you do to prepare your body beforehand mm. to kick that can, so to speak, yeah. as far down the road as possible. Yeah. So is there stuff that you can do that doesn't involve riding your bike? So to increase the capacity of your body to be able to deal with the potential load that it's likely going to experience yeah. Yeah. over the course of... Yeah, well, um, Chris from uh, Strength and Endurance always says he, he doesn't care what you look like, like, you know, after 10 reps or you know, 10 miles or whatever. He wants to know what you look like after you've done 100 miles or, you know, uh, 10K of swimming or mm. whatever. What does your body look like? What 
does where are your weaknesses where does it break down and that's the opportunity for you to improve yourself and the more you know about where your body breaks down uh, where its weaknesses are then you know you can prepare yourself for that eventuality or do everything you can to mitigate that from happening out on the trail so you know because you will, you, you absolutely will get to that point where your body is breaking mm. down and you need to recognize that point and to, and to action it. You know, whether that's just stopping mm. and just having a rest and break and eating and refueling or, you know, being like, oh, okay, I really need to press through this discomfort. I know it's not good for me, but I'm gonna, you know, do something else like yeah. stretch or move or do I think something. stretching is, a, I, I didn't even think about that, but that would have been really helpful for my back, but I didn't, you know. But in the context of bike fitting, like this is kind of the stuff that we're looking for, isn't it? It's like, where's the, I call it the canary in the coal mine. <laughs> where's the first instance of compensation happening? And everyone has like one part of their body that starts to go first. Like, well, in my mm. kind of anecdotal kind of mm. experience, it's like, right, okay, where do the compensations start happening? And what are the potential consequences of said compensations? Because like we know, like bike riding, like anything endurance related, basically swimming, running, all that kind of stuff, it's repetitive. You're doing the same thing over and over again. And when those muscles that you're using over and over again start to fatigue, then the body's like, it's clever. It'll get the job done for you, but what is the cost of that? Mm -hmm. And how far can you kind of like negate those negative consequences of those compensations? Because they will happen. Mm. It's just how far into your race or your event or whatever you want to call it, it are these conversations going to occur and what are the potential ramifications of, of set consequences? So for you, like going back to your normal hands, mm. like if you'd have like done a ton of like strength and conditioning, like core stability, like upper body strength and that sort of thing, um, would you have got a numb hand? Probably, but it might have happened would later. Have been, yeah, it, it would have been, not have been bad. so bad. Mm. So that's kind of the thing. It's like, I'm, I'm picking on you here because you're here. That's but fine. it's that kind of thing. It's like, yeah, it probably wouldn't have alleviated it altogether, but it might not have been as bad as it mm. was. So, you know, that's something that I think, you know, is often not taken as seriously as I mean and Chris bangs this drum all the time, doesn't he? He must get sick of it. It's like banging his head against the wall. But that's he's so essentially good at it. the thing. He's isn't so good at it. it? Well, he's, he's, he's read an entire business around it. <laughs> but it's that kind of thing, isn't it? It's like does your body have the capacity to do what you're asking of it? Mm. No, it does not. So what are you going to do about it to kind of build that capacity as much as you can? Yeah. Well, what's been really interesting about this conversation is that we haven't really spoken that much about bike fitting. Like the conversation is mm. always kind of transferred to the body. Uh, it's very much about, you know, what is your body capable of? Where is it compensating? Where is its weaknesses? How, what can it do? And the body is, like these ultra endurance things are really, they're not really about the bike. But wait, this is bike fitting as well. <laughs> it's not just about the bike, as we know. <laughs> I know. So this is bike fit, <laughs> but it's not bike fit, but it is. We could just solve it with a, a crank change, can't we? Maybe like a shorter crank. Well, we're, we're like bike fitting involves a human body. So we have to understand the human body. Of course. We, we, we are movement specialists at the end of the day. We're not like bike fitting does itself a disservice, I think, by calling itself bike fitting, because everyone mm. thinks it's just about the bike, but 
yeah, everyone forgets about the engine, the, the meaty engine that's uh, powering meaty the Meaty engine? Yeah. Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> well, it's like we were saying earlier, wasn't it? Like with, with Lee and his, his setup, you know, good bike, good position, yeah. well trained, mm. still got no hand. Yeah? You know, so. Wah, wah, wah. Maybe you just needed a thicker glove. <laughs> I had a thick, thick glove. Thicker I had a gravel glove. Yeah. But that's the thing, isn't just it? Just ride it's no like, hands next time, mate. No hands? Yeah, just no hands. Bloody hell, that'd be fun on the descent. <laughs> but the bike will only do so much for you. I think mm. that's the point, isn't it? And there are limitations. The bike is finite. There's only a certain amount of stuff you can adjust on it. I think and maybe checking yourself out, like that book that you lent me, um, The Lost Art of Running, it talks about how sometimes you'll slump after a while of doing something repetitive after a while and you'll kind of start to slouch and things and then you'll kind of check yourself out posturally and you kind of correct it again. And you can do that on the bike as well. Mm. I think that mm. wasn't, again, that wasn't on my mind when I was doing the race, but it would have been handy for me to be like, oh, how is my back? What am yeah. I doing? Checking in how with yourself. Legs, you know? Yeah, absolutely. That, that, I think that's a good thing for people to think about yeah. as well. Right. Yeah, absolutely. There's, there's absolutely, this is where the blurry line of mental capacity, but also physical capacity mm. come into play. So we talked a lot about physical capacity in the body and how you can train it and how capable it is. And you try and train that so that you don't have to think about it. So you do your training before the mm. event, you do your training to improve your body so that those movement patterns, that strength is automatic, it's ingrained, it's in your body, which leaves you kind of with mental capacity to deal with all the problems that you're going to face mm. along the way. And it's when you start getting tired, when you have to start checking in with your body, because your body doesn't have the capacity, it's starting to run out of steam, it's starting to kind of tire, and so your brain has to you know, back it up. It's kind of, you've got to like, oh, check my posture out. Am I still holding the position? The brain has to tell the body, mm. hey, you know, you know, stand up tall, straight, you know, keep, keep going and so on. And, and it's that, those moments and being, recognizing those moments of um, fatigue that are really important where you can make the decision or can you make the decision when you're tired? Um, you know, what to do, mm. like is, am I able to continue holding that posture? What happens if I don't hold that posture? What are the repercussions? And, you know, what should I do after that? It's yeah. just, it just doesn't go in line with the romanticism of the whole thing. Like yeah, you, I know. you talk about the strength and strength and conditioning. Unfortunately, people don't want to know it. They don't, they don't want to have to do that work. And yeah, mate, so we've got to try and figure out how to get them to do it. Everyone's got a plan until they get punched in the face. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just, it's just not as exciting, is it? You think, oh, you're doing an no. endurance race, I just need to ride my bike. Just need I to ride know. my bike for loads of number of miles, maybe put in some kind of uh, hill reps now and again, and Bob's your uncle. Mate, this is real life, this isn't Instagram. Where come smell the coffee? Yeah. We, need to make it, we need to make strength and conditioning sexy. How do we do yeah, it? But th this is the problem. We ain't going to do that. <laughs> yeah. This is what bike fitting, bike fitting's not sexy. It's, it's not cool. My goodness. Uh, I don't know if you can hear that, but our wall is about to fall down. <laughs> kids are back so, to school doing kids are, yeah. sessions. Yeah. I think they're doing wheelies on our wall. Yeah. But it's true, isn't it? It's like, you know, the stuff that is going to push you usually to that next level of competence mm. or like, you know, enjoyment or whatever it is, or that next level of like, extremity to your event is usually stuff that people don't want to do. Well, well people, people want the result, don't they? They, they want to cross the line, arms aloft, they want to be kissing their child, they want to be, you know, running down the running chute with their children. They're not willing to do the work. Yeah, but, but no, yeah. but I think... Being facetious, <laughs> obviously. Yeah. 
But like, yeah, that, that image is, is yeah. so ingrained these days and we just see the results all yeah. the time. Result, 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 like ground, ground, ground. It's, it, it's always there. And yeah, and yeah that's why, um, you know, seeing people that um, kind of uh, highlight the process is really interesting. And that's really where so much value comes out of it. And, uh, you know, I, I, I mean, maybe that's just the nature of an event itself. Like the, I've always seen events as the icing on the cake. The, mm. the real kind of uh, interesting part is the training that goes into that event itself. Like it takes up way more time than the event. You learn so much more about yourself. You are kind of literally building yourself up to this point where oh, amazing event. If it happens on the day, then that's amazing. And you get the cake and the ice cream and the, the t-shirt at the end. I, th I think the main problem is people that like to do these races they just like riding their bikes you know it's not like again just referencing the crit things it's not like marginal gains and stuff like that it's people that fundamentally love being out having an adventure love riding mm. their bikes so mm. i guess the seriousness of strength and yeah. conditioning doesn't quite correlate it's with you know yeah, and i think sure. that's it doesn't it's fit fair enough ethos. to think because I, I probably do belong to that as well but i know how important it is but it just doesn't quite fit in with mm. i just want to ride my bike Totally I want to run the bike a long way. Yeah. Totally get that. And I, I'm the same as I, I, you know, if I had my way, I'd just go out and run. Right? Mm. But in order to be able to run, because I've been burnt so many times, I have to do the strength work. Yeah. Because I, without it, I can't do what I enjoy doing. Mm. So it's kind of like a practice in delayed gratification. So it's kind of like, I need to do this. Yeah, it sucks. But this is going to allow me to do what I want to do. Mm -hmm. And like, what's the, you know, is it worth the trade off? Absolutely it is. Yeah. So it's like that practice of not getting everything you want first time and straight away is actually quite a mm. good mm. and kind yeah. of like healthy thing to kind of go yeah. through. I mean, we all got here because we've all been burned. Like we all yeah. had that mentality of like just going out and smashing it and, you know, giving it a go. Uh, and we've all <laughs> ended up with uh, all kinds of uh, ailments and so on. So, you know, but, but it, it, yeah, as you said, it's part of that learning process um, and uh, guiding people through that idea. Just, just even the idea that in order to ride better requires you to do less riding mm. and mm. more time doing something else. It might not be gym, it could be like rock climbing, whatever. yoga, yeah. something, something else to kind of improve your body in, a, in, in the right kind of way. But I think there's, there's definitely a point, and it's gonna be different for everybody, that the challenge that you take on is gonna to be too much for your body to cope with by just doing bike riding. Yeah. Like just doing bike riding will definitely get you to a certain point without injury, still enjoying it, without you know health deficiencies and all the rest of it. Um, but there, you cross that line and yeah, your body will respond. It will let you know mm. uh, that it's not happy. It will find ways of telling you that you haven't eaten enough, you, you know, mm. you're energy deficient or it will give you an injury because, you know, your body's not strong enough or, you know, you get numb hands because you've just been doing the same thing for too long, mm. for too much. Um, and yeah, I think people just need to go on that journey of trying to figure it out objectively rather than emotionally. I think we get a lot mm. of emotional 
responses to like you know the situations that people find themselves in and sometimes it's anger sometimes it's fear sometimes it's you know um stress stress yeah just everything everything adds on into it so mm. yeah like if you're taking on a you know a tough challenge then you know the road to that challenge is going to be tough too and for sure yeah. When I um I got my results back from this kind of nerve conduction test I had a few weeks ago, and they were like everything's fine, and the one thing they recommended was not riding a bike <laughs> for that long, <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, and the second one was physiotherapy. So it just shows you know even being aware of your body like that is you know going to do wonders. So it is it's a personal um, responsibility, I guess to kind of look after yourself to keep yourself checked and I mean we've only talked about ultra endurance obviously expectations as a bike fit comes with performance as well injury prevention yeah, there's, there's so yeah. many stuff I guess we, we can, can talk do, about that we today. can do another one yeah, on yeah. that like we can talk about <laughs> bike fit all day long. yeah because bike fitting does actually make you 20 miles an hour faster that's what I've heard miles only 20 yeah miles an hour faster than you were before every time what you, you want to do, do kilometers <laughs> Uh, that's, that's, we'll get into that next time, though. Well, but if you want to know about that, uh, that. Um, but yeah, it is, there's like yeah, there's you know, pain and discomfort expectations versus reality. But there's also performance mm. expectations versus reality as well. Like you know, a, a bike fit might not make you faster immediately, and that's okay. Like yeah, it's there's a whole world to unpack of mm. like performance related stuff as well. I guess that'll have to be a different one then. Yeah, we'll do another one. So, <laughs> well, when it's not here next, we'll do it. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll yeah. pick this up again. <laughs> so, you won't want to talk about this. Well, let, let us know if uh, if you enjoyed this episode. Let us know uh, if we want to continue on this, and uh, if there's anything else you want us to kind of unpack. But uh, yeah, this was definitely uh, an ultra endurance <laughs> special. We, we like ultra endurance. It's probably going to happen again anyway. <laughs> so don't worry about it. So don't worry. Don't even yeah. comment. Don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Well, hopefully uh, Lee will be a married man by then. And, uh... Hopefully. What the hell? <laughs> it's Jesus. Time. It's not done until it's done, Lee. It ain't over till the... That smoothie's worn off. <laughs> you look stressed, oh, look, you look look stressed mate. God. <laughs> All right, let's turn it off. <laughs> Bye. If you liked what you heard today, please go ahead and leave us a five-star rating or review as this helps us massively to grow the show. And the more we grow, the more we can help riders like yourself get even more out of their riding. And finally, if you're suffering from numb hands, tingling toes, and other persistent discomforts, is your bike fit as good as it can be? If you're curious to find out, get in touch with Matt Orway at foundation.fit. For all your bike servicing needs, custom dream bikes, and wheel builds, get in touch with Ev. Email him, workshop at frequencycycleworks.com, or get in touch on Instagram at frequencycycleworks. All right, till next time, keep on spinning.